I'm Joan Hogan. I'm welcoming you to the Prairie Doc Radio Program. Rick Holm, our medical expert, is in the studio ready to answer your questions of a medical nature. His specialty is internal medicine. He's worked with the Avira Medical Group Brookings and has served as a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota Sanford School of Medicine. Good morning, Dr. Holm. Good morning, Joan Hogan. How are you doing today? I'm feeling great. I'm feeling oh. great. I uh, I had a couple down days after I stopped my immunotherapy for at the end of a month. You have two weeks off. I stopped the immunotherapy and then I had like three days where I just kind of oh. weak and kind of low grade temperature and felt bad. And I thought, Heesh, you know, when is the shoe going to drop? On this? <laughs> but I feel bad, better okay. now. I wanted to ask you, Dr. Holm, I just read today, you know, now with all the states legalizing recreational and medicinal cannabis, they're finding that there is a compound, a chemical compound contained in marijuana that they are very excited that may now be used in the treatment of pancreatic cancer. Well, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, when you get out of here, you can go and well, uh, go to Google and, and type in the latest. And go see. to Google or go Google. to... Go Actually, to. I read this on Yahoo this morning. So whether really? it's true, yeah. I mean, it's exciting to think that, you know, every day we see medical advancements. Well, I mean, and of course, I think the, the major advantage of the cannab, uh, cannabis and its, its cogeners, uh, particularly CB, CNB, um, is that... Um, CBD, I'm sorry, is that uh, it helps relieve the discomfort. It doesn't really confuse people. It helps uh, with nausea, and it encourages a little bit of mood elevation, uh, all of which uh, really makes it a better pain reliever, uh, the researchers are saying, than um, than the, the opioids, which are killing people. The opioids are just terrible. It's good. Everyone recognizes that now. Now we just have to get them out of the country. Have people stop thinking that that's an answer for anything. Well, they get hooked, and then then they're stuck. Really not good. And they don't get off of it. I mean, unfortunately, the problem with opioids is once a person has that particular thing, I mean, they did these studies years ago about uh, vets, and they followed up the, the vets on the the narcotic abuser of vets, the um, cocaine abuser uh, and upper abusers, and the downers, the valiums, the, uh, the sleeping pill uh, abusers. And they found that the sleeping pill abusers and the valiums and all, all of those Xanax kind of drugs uh, ended up severely depressed. Uh, and the people with cocaine and uh, uppers ended up uh, mainly uh, psychotic. Uh, they flipped out, um, and the uh, after years and years of it, and uh, the the uh, narcotic abusers wouldn't quit, uh, uh, and if they didn't uh, die from overdose, um, they would just keep using. They didn't it didn't change their psych, uh, and really the truth is, after four or five or six days of use, it loses its effect. You have to go to a higher dose. And uh, that's why it's a, it's a lousy pain uh, medicine for long-term use. Good answer. Yeah, well, <laughs> just, quite, you know, what you know, is... I kept hoping that one of those things you said might turn out good, but the, none of them were positive, really. No, they were I, all negative. You know, the best uh, situation is uh, 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 eating fruits and vegetables 
<laughs> and exercising every day. You think yeah. you need to exercise? Is that an important one? Exercise you know, and being you know without yeah. uh, tri- uh, mood altering drugs because almost every well, except for the uppers, the mood altering drugs will take you down. They will lessen your ability to interact with people. The uppers will will uh, raise you up for a period of time, and then then you, then you have to, then you you, you can't do that forever. It's sort of like they borrow their their fun from their future and then once they've they're off of it they can't get that fun back for a very long time well it's best if you just don't have to be on any of those drugs and could just enjoy exercise and good food and everything in moderation and right? you know what tylenol every once in a while if you need it i mean that the, the it amazes me that because i'm i am uh absolutely uh, a tylenol fan and if i have aches and pains and don't feel well and blah, uh, okay, I'll take two, ty- two small dose Tylenol, two 325, not the 500s. I like a lower dose, you know, two, uh, so 650 milligrams of Tylenol. And it is uh, a remarkable improvement in, in discomfort. So, I, you know, not to, to get people hooked on it, I mean, if you use it as needed, it really is a very effective pain medicine. And that's why they put Tylenol in the narcotics <laughs> because <laughs> they reduce it, pain. you've got to have something to reduce pain in there. Let, you have mentioned this before, and for those who aren't familiar with your talking about Tylenol, you have said Tylenol, on a short term, as you mentioned, is better than going to Aleve or what are the other? Aleve or Advil. Advil. Or now, you know, ibuprofen okay. or but why, naproxen. Why the difference? Could you tell us that? Well, ibuprofen and naproxen and Aleve and uh, you Advil, know, uh, Advil yeah. Yeah. that whole group of what are called non-steroidal anti-inflammatories are very effective in musculoskeletal pain. They take away the inflammation. The joint feels better. Um, but if you use it long term, it burns holes in your stomach. People, I, I don't know how many people with GI bleeds I t- I've taken care of through the years how much Aleve or how much Advil or how much... Um, Too much of those really cause them problems with their stomach. Right, and you have withdrawal uh, uh, trouble. You have headache pain. Um, and so, uh, you know, I just, I think we need to be very careful. I think the major thing to realize is uh, that activity and movement and being involved and having a friend and doing all of those uh, other things is the first best uh, treatment for pain getting your mind off of it and go on go on the second thing is tylenol is very effective but an advil and aleve are are very good but you don't use them in sparingly use them as needed and as a as as least amount as you can get by and they will be more harmful to your stomach than tylenol and those are are definitely more harmful to your stomach than tylenol okay well we're going to take a break now we'd love to have your questions 692-1430 or if you're Out of the Brookings Rage, be sure to put in 605-692-1430, and we will be back right after these. The Avera Medical Group Brookings wants you to know the benefits of breastfeeding. Did you know that breast milk has ideal nutrients for babies, contains important antibodies to fight viruses and bacteria, may reduce disease risk, promotes a healthy weight, and has positive effects on long-term brain development? Talk with your provider about the benefits of breastfeeding. Welcome back to Prairie Doc. We 
Radio. This is Joan Hogan, and I have Dr. Holm here ready to answer any questions you might have of a medical nature. Normally, we tie our program to whatever might be on are on, on call tomorrow night on South Dakota Public Television, but the program is not on tomorrow night. However, on Facebook, TV. It's yeah, not it's on, on TV. It's so on if Facebook. you want to catch up with one of Dr. Pro, Dr. Holmes' programs on Facebook, it's a different approach to pain therapy. <laughs> I'm sorry, we were just getting... Okay, we'll get that right. Here we go. No, a question just came in, and we were kind of laughing. Who's going to grab the question from our receptionist but we've got it now okay the uh, program is a different approach to pain than surgery or medication and it's interesting because you just mentioned that before we went to the break but the guest on that program is judith peterson who is a wonderful photographer as well as a great physician yeah. right but if you did if you haven't seen that show we did that live last uh spring uh in the uh studios in sioux falls and she was the guest and it was just wonderful she's she's such a superb talent you know she speaks with this wonderful loving caring uh, uh, softness and yet you know you can tell she's a very smart and clearly uh, uh, ethically driven scientist uh, under underwriting a very thoughtful person, person too mm-hmm. you just see her mind is thinking i mean i i don't some people you look at and they go to talk and you can just tell the mind is at work yeah. before the words come out <laughs> and that's what i think of when yeah. i wouldn't want to watch her in person yeah my wife would probably say that i'm not one of those <laughs> <laughs> well i guarantee he's you. talking before he's thinking <laughs> we had uh, a couple of daughters yesterday and my son at dinner and uh, they all kind of would agree with that Mom does not think a lot. She just talks. But <laughs> somehow we got through the meal. Yeah. Um, so that, that is it. But also, we can talk about that. But secondly, you just did a, um, your essay this week was on family. And I thought that was great because we're kind of living with family this week for us. Yes, but your essay was on the value of family love. And I thought the two things, you know, avoid, avoid pain meds and just enjoy being with family. You really tied it up this week. Thank you. Well, you know, one of the things about family is that uh, a family that that has fun together is a really neat thing to see. I mean, we can see, you can see that in families. They're in a table and they're all yak, 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 having fun and laughing and so on and so forth. And then you can also see families sitting at the table, not saying a word to each other, not wanting to be there, somewhat forced to be there oftentimes, you know. And so... Um, that's my, not a pleasant thing to see. No, I, and I, I don't think a lo- uh, tons of families really do uh, want to be together as much as they should. I mean, I think that the, when, when you have a family that clicks, um, it's a wonderful thing. And, and when, it, when you don't, it's, it's sad. I, I, I'm just uh, uh, looking at a book about owning a lake cabin and, then, and how you should how it, it want you want to if you want to keep it within the family after you're gone what you need to do otherwise they self-destruct they go after each other you know the, who who is the one who is supposed to clean up this mess what's this the 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 family member who doesn't have any money is the one who's who's um who's staying at the cabin the yeah. yeah and yeah. not paying her or his part you know that type of a thing so uh it's important to have a family uh, that that enjoys being together and and but there's some safeguards that you need to do to make sure that that happens, and that one of the things is to give away your stuff 
or define who gets your stuff before you're gone so they're mad at you when they're <laughs> after you're gone and they find out that they're not inheriting all of everything you know I have one granddaughter who likes to walk around the house going, dibs, dibs. I said, you can't have dibs. I'm still alive. Leave me alone. <laughs> She's just funny. But if she really likes something, dibs, it's mine. Okay, not going to work you know, that way. You have so much family. We do have a lot that, of family. That, that nobody's going to get rich on you guys. I don't oh, care how much no. money you have to start with. <laughs> And all no. your stuff and all of the things you think about it, you know, well, I don't want... Well, we're just want... fortunate. We have 15 grandchildren. God, they're all growing up. This year, we're going to have four in college and one out of college of the grandkids. Wow. Of the grandchildren. I can't believe... I must have been married at 12 to have kids that this was, age, that, right? That yeah. was true. Absolutely. Must be true. Hey, we will get back away from... But that family essay that you wrote... Thank that would you. ...appeared in many newspapers, including the Brookings Register, was very good and very supportive. And I think what you say about family is important. We did have two questions come in while we were talking. One thing with kind of interrupted us, but we're here... Uh, the one wants you to compare Tylenol to Excedrin for pain relief. What do you think of Excedrin? Well, Excedrin used to be para, para something or other. It's never used anymore. Plus acetaminophen, which is Tylenol, plus caffeine. Oh. So it had th three things, the caffeine and the paraminocene, something like that. Uh, all had uh, tendencies, if you didn't take it later, if you didn't take it regularly, you would have a withdrawal. You want, oh, you want you'd it. want more. Yeah. The caffeine, same story. You know, you, if you, you, you have caffeine withdrawals, you want some more caffeine. And, and so um, people would get uh, morning headaches. Uh, now, when they, when they got started, they had headaches, so they'd take this. It right. would take care of their morning headaches. And then... Later, the headaches were because you went the whole night without taking one of these. And so then so it they, was worse in the morning. Yes. Right. And uh. so it kind of hooked you on uh, one of those. Now, it does help some for headaches with, because caffeine helps for headaches uh, and uh, a little bit. And um, so the long and the short about that whole story about... Uh, Tylenol or, or Excedrin. Excedrin is that they, ha well, they took out the paraminocin, but they've left the caffeine. And I'm, I'm not sure whether they put in some Advil or Aleve or something along. So it's a three-drug combination, or it's a, now a two-drug combination. But um, it's, I, I, th I think that y you've got to look at the ingredients of these combination uh, meds and be careful about it. It's just two more things to be worried about. So I, I would just stick with Tylenol. Okay, so if you've been an Excedrin user, you might have a little withdrawal if you change from Excedrin, but you'll still be better off with Tylenol. Yep. It is a pain reliever. Thanks so much for that question. We do appreciate these questions that come in. Another I want to say yes, one more thing. Carol that. Nelson, the headache expert, says you can have uh, rebound headaches from regular use of Tylenol, too, when you stop the Tylenol. And then people can develop um, headaches as a result of trying to get off of Tylenol. So I, once again, I'm going to say we need to realize every drug should, uh, for pain, you need to try to use the least amount of it. Uh, use it when you really are cornered and you need to get past a performance of some kind or you've got relatives coming. <laughs> you know, <laughs> your house like is that. full of grandchildren or yeah. whatever it is. Okay, so use them, and if you're getting that rebound, 
because you came off of a pill, the best thing to do is go outside and take a walk. That's right? the very best thing. <laughs> I thought you might agree with that. Absolutely. Okay, now we had another caller from a 90-year-old woman who is under doctor's care for swollen feet. She's wondering if she should continue to walk on that foot or rest it. Okay, well, she's got one-sided uh, swollen feet foot probably because she mentioned yes. that she needs to rest it or walk on it she doesn't know what to do uh, I'd be careful if you don't have feeling in that foot uh, you might be really uh, doing harm and you don't know now if you can feel in that foot and there is swelling there and and it's and it's uh, it's periodically painful if you walk on it because uh, you don't have blood flow there uh, then uh, that that uh, that can be dangerous. I, I, I always like exercise, but I, I think in people who have blood flow problems, you've got to be careful. Okay, and she did mention she's under doctor's care, so I would Listen ask to your doctor a lot. I really like uh, exercise. They say uh, that when you have swelling, I like the idea of getting the swelling out so that the blood flow has the best chance to get out to those little uh, parts where the healing needs to occur. And so how do you get the edema out? Well, you can elevate the head, uh, you elevate the, the foot above the level of your heart because water runs downhill, right? Get the edema out of the, of the, uh, the leg and bring it back to the heart. There's some problems uh, occasionally with that idea when the blood flow that's going out uh, is compromised by having to go uphill and so some people say the safest thing is, is a mild wrap and leaving it on neutral, you know, uh, same level of your heart. Lay down at the bed and have the, have the uh, mild wrap. You've got to be really careful about wraps when there is arterial blood flow compromise. So, so you've got to talk to your doctor. It all depends upon the cause of the swelling. If there's an infection, is it swollen there? If you have both feet swollen, sw swollen, uh, there's the, and I've written about this multiple times uh, in a scientific journal to start with and, and uh, uh, on leg ulcers. Actually, it was not a journal. It was a textbook on medicine, uh, her first textbook of medicine. And, he, and the article was about um, uh, getting the edema out of the leg uh, to s so it can heal. But what are the causes of the edema? Uh, one of the causes is uh, that you don't have a good heart, strong heart to, to, uh, uh, to uh, suck the blood out. It's basically sucking the blood out of your, your veins and bringing it back and getting out there. People with heart failure, for example, will have swollen legs. Uh, another reason is your veins are bad and they, they don't return the blood. That's when really good tight hose are important when it's when you've got good arteries but the veins are bad and you you get support hose to squeeze the juice out of your legs because the valves in the veins which are help bring the blood back uh, are broken um, and then there's the the swollen uh, legs uh, from low protein people whose whose kidneys are not holding on to the protein as it's circulating through the body and through the kidneys and it's going out through the urine and your protein gets low, uh, that people get that same low protein when they're malnourished. Uh, um, but the one caveat is that people with low protein don't always get edema, but oftentimes they do. And you, it's just a bugaboo to try to 
treat. So to try to answer this woman without seeing her and knowing exactly what's causing it, she's so much better off talking to her doctor and following his, his or her instructions, right? You know, the question of walking is very important. So talk to her or him. And uh, your, your care provider should advise you on that. If there's no ulcers on your foot and you can feel it, that's, that's reassuring. Uh, and um, so tough scenario. 90, you know, there's some challenges that we have to meet when we, we get to 90. And I said we, didn't I? We. We will get to 90. <laughs> on that note, we will take our next break. We'll be oh. back right after these words. Rabies is a virus that infects wildlife, especially bats, raccoons, skunks, and foxes in the U.S. It can spread to people and pets when they are bitten or scratched, causing fever, agitation, and death. Rabies is 100% preventable with post-exposure prophylaxis that includes rabies vaccine and medications to fight infection as long as people get the prophylactic medication before the symptoms starts. Understanding the risk of rabies and knowing what to do after contact with wildlife can save lives. If you have contact with a wild animal, talk with your primary care provider immediately so that post-prophylactic medication can be started as needed. This is brought to you by the Vera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Hi, welcome back to Prairie Dac Radio. Joan Hogan here with Dr. Rick Holm, and we have, we really appreciate these calls coming in. Some days we don't get too many, and today the phone this just nice. keeps ringing. The next question is about gout. Can you get gout in your second toe? If so, what's the cure? Can't you get gout anywhere in your foot? You can get gout anywhere in your body. In your, it doesn't have pres- to be in your toes, Some right? people, you know, this is kind of rare, but you need to be aware of it as a physician when you're making, evaluating people with back pain. It can be in your back joints. Gout in your gout. back joints, uh, wow. It, but and it can be very painful. If you have gout that's reoccurring, if it's a reoccurrent episode of gout, you know, and you, because your uric acid level is elevated, um, then it will commonly occur in your toe, uh, 90 per, the big toe, 90% of the time. But it can occur in other toes. It can occur in your knee a lot. It can occur in your neck and your back and your hands. Gout can occur anywhere. And it's interesting that uh, when your uric acid level is elevated because you have a congenital thing or because you have some other thing that's happening, kidney problems or whatever, uh, uh, you're you're going to uh, have elevated uric acid. A lot of people, some people will not have an attack of gout or they'll have one attack and that's it. So you don't want to start them on all, allopurinol forever or the fancy allopurinols, which are very expensive, you know, that whole story. Um, but uh, sometimes you do. So there is medicine for gout, but it, it can reoccur even with the medicines, mm-hmm. right? That's right. Now, here's this, the other thing. If someone comes in with a, you know, a uric acid level of, you know, nine or ten, which normal is like seven, and and you put them on allopurinol big time and drop that uric acid level, look at he split, that will cause an attack of gout. Wow. The dropping or the changing of the level sometimes brings that uric acid crystal out. It's these sharp needle-like crystals that happen in the fluid, the synovial fluid. And they're stabbing 
the and that's the gout pain because those crystals are hitting are something. stabbing and there's inflammatory reaction and you have a hot swollen miserable terribly painful knee or big toe and uh, you know it can be so bad one guy told me he says that's so bad i can't stand my wife to look at it <laughs> that's bad that, that's i don't bad. even want her to look at it most oh. of the time they will not have sheets over their toe because it's too much pressure on their toe because it causes so that's much that's how much pain it is oh my goodness well gout is a tough so, thing so you can't there, have gout anywhere to answer that question there's two things you got to treat the hot inflammation pain and number two you've got to lower the uric acid but you have to do it slowly and carefully and cover them from the pain while you're lowering the uric acid slowly Okay. Well, talking about gout, we're back on toes. The next question wants to know about ingrown toenails. Is this common once you get them that you'll always have them? Or why do some people have ingrown toenails and others never do? Is there any answer for that? Well, you know, some people have big noses and some people have (laughs) small and short, cute noses. And people have, you know, everybody's different, many different ways. And and so uh, your anatomy might be setting it up. There, I used to get terribly painful toes whenever I'm hanging around the, on a beach. Hmm. And I realize what it is, is the gunk is getting up underneath the curl of the nail on each side. Okay. And so if you can get that foreign body that just kind of pushes itself in there when you're walking around on the beach or whenever you are, you know, if you can get rid of that junk that's kind of migrates its way under the nail on the side on each side and one of the ways to do it is to get and when i'm seeing somebody in my office i'll take a uh a kind of a dull point to device that i have and i will kind of push up under where the inflammation is and pull the junk out forward toward the end of the nail do you follow what i'm saying yes i do makes sense uh, it gets the junk out and sometimes and then you tell them uh, each day you wash, you soak your feet, you wash your feet, and you get your own fingernail, and you push out, or maybe a tweezers put together, or one half of a tweezer, and just to push it out, push push the junk out, and uh, you know sometimes all I, all I need to do is take that dull thing and get underneath there, and I'll get boom, push, pus will come out, and then what you do is you clean it out, you wash it out, hydrogen peroxide it maybe. And then uh, hope that the, you got the foreign body. And if you didn't, it'll be back. And if you, and what you end up doing in the doctor's office is you numb it, and then you cut out part of the, the nail, nail, that inside nail that's hanging over, and you pull that out. And then you tell them keep it clean, keep it clean, keep it clean. Okay. Well, you know what? We really ran a little long on a few of these segments, so we're going to take our final break and be right back. August is National Immunization Awareness Month. Here are just a few ideas of how you can promote immunizations. Talk with your friends and family members about how vaccines aren't just for kids. Shots can protect people of all ages from serious diseases. Encourage people in your community to get the flu vaccine every year. Invite a doctor or nurse to speak to parents about why it's important for kids to get vaccinated. If you have questions about immunizations, talk with your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We just have a couple of minutes in the program, and you mentioned one thing about protein when you were talking earlier, if your protein gets low. 
I have heard this with my children and my grandchildren. You have to have protein in the morning. You, you know, you're going to be run down. You're not feeling well. You didn't have your protein. They're really pushing it. Can you tell me why this is so beneficial for children when they're growing up or any adult to not be pro- low on protein? Well, look, the only foods we eat are protein, fat, and sugar. I mean, that's all that is in food. If you divide up what corn on the cob is, it's sugar and car, uh, sugar and mostly sugar, but some protein. Oh, it's been so good though. And if oh, so good. <laughs> yeah. Oh my. Oh, the corn on the cob is so good. I immediately so went good. to the corn on the cob. Oh, my oh, wife yes. and I had corn on the cob it and so good. You know, fresh you tomatoes. Yeah, oh, sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right, God. back to protein. Now. Okay, All right. protein. <laughs> if you eat a, a steak, you know, what uh, marble, uh, marbled with fat? It's you know, it's protein. And, and fat, m- fat. not much carbohydrate in that. Um, uh, if you eat, you know, a, sh- a piece of candy, it's going to be fat and sugar. Uh, if you what, so we get protein in in a lot of things. Probably the very best protein for us is egg protein. Egg white is is probably the very best. And I, I guess I'm going to say my point is that we need to have protein, but we need to have essential amino acids in those proteins. And the essential amino acids commonly in, in meat, but they, you, if you put um, uh, the certain vegetable diets that you can get your, your proteins absorbed. You, but you got to do a proper mix. So to get the right proteins, you do it right. You got to look it up, read about it. And so I think we all need all three of those entities in our, our diet. Okay. A mixed, balanced diet, fruits and vegetables mostly. That's really good. Great. Well, on that note, we're going to close for today, and we hope all of you have enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program, and we'll listen again for the Prairie Doc, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow us on Facebook and YouTube for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library. You can visit us at www.prairiedoc.org. Rick, that's all for today. Thank you, Joan. Thank you, Bob. And stay healthy out there.